edition of the Forks Down Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy who you can't even consider a glass half-empty guy. I think that glass is completely empty right now. Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. As the resident pessimist on this episode, I'm doing really well. How's the resident optimist doing today? I'm doing wonderful. My teams are going to be fine this season. They're going to be fine. Gonzaga pulled out a win against Yale. That was great. Idaho did take a loss. They're still 7-3 and three on the season. And the Kraken, they've had some ups and downs. But, you know, we've got the uh, Colorado Avalanche coming in to Seattle on Monday. We're probably going to win again. I'm sure there will be some ABS fans that are talking about how we hit their players wrong and, you know, they they just, yeah, you know, there's a whole thing behind that. But I don't know if you look at Reddit after a Seattle and Colorado game, but or even Twitter. It's a war zone. It's just a complete war zone. Yeah, I don't I don't touch that. I touch that. I think it's better for you. I think it's better for everybody that we don't touch that. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It touches you. It touches you. It touches all of us. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man, this is a great start to this episode, uh-huh. though. <laughs> and before we get into everything, I just want to thank everyone for coming back and taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. That's, of course, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first time listener, hey, thanks for choosing Forks Down, and hopefully, Bo's pessimism won't scare you away from the podcast. <laughs> and hopefully we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk. He's not really that much of a pessimist. He's just, he's having a rough time. He's having a rough go of things right now. Um, if you haven't already, go hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, find us on threads. Just search Forks Down Podcast. And you can also hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app to get notified about new episodes dropping. You can rate us on there. Um, you know, usually one to five stars. That's usually how they have it. You give us a five stars, it'll help, you know, get us up in their search inquiries and we'll get out to more listeners. You do that for us, we will, you know, make the best Mariners content we can and bring it out to you guys. So, but with all that being said, let's, uh, let's bring your pessimistic butt in here to talk about Tyson Miller. Mariners just signed him to a minor league contract. Um, what do you know about Tyson Miller? Cause I know absolutely nothing. I'm. It's not ringing a bell. His name, uh, Tyson Miller, um, right-handed relief pitcher. Um, he's only pitched uh, a couple games um, this far in his uh, major league career. Um, uh, most recently with the well, Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, <clears throat> they became a free agent. Um, you know, I think back in October, but I think he was sent down to um, AAA sometime during the summertime. So. Um, a little bit of stat cast data on him. Uh, it looks like a little bit of a softer throwing relief pitcher, I would say, for the most part. Um, fastball. It seems that he does have a little bit more of a curve heavy, curve heavy, slider heavy, but um, did throw a slider more in 2022 as well. So, again, not a lot of good stat cast data on him, but um, yeah, could be an interesting bullpen arm to see what they've kind of got and just kind of adds to the collection of relief arms that Jerry usually ticks, you know, picks up in the off season. So um, we'll see if he uh, is able to kind of crack the team come opening day, but you know, we'll certainly see him in, uh, in Peoria during spring training. Yeah. It just seems very on brand of Jerry DePoto and the Mariners at this point, they're going to probably 
go get another four or five relievers and see how it shakes out in the preseason and in, in spring training. So, um, you know, Tyson Miller, um, welcome to the Mariners. We'll see how long your stay is on the Mariners. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, a dogfight for those last, you know, at least two or three relief spots on the Mariners. Um, the other thing of note, and I find I found this very weird. I know I texted you, Bo, um, when it happened because I don't ever remember this happening in the past. Maybe it's on brand for, you know, the Mariners. But uh, many of the minor leaguers, you know, that weren't on the 40-man roster um, – declared free agency we you know 42 of them most by any team and and it was just shocking of somewhat some of the names on that list um of note the ones that really stood out to us robert perez jr um adam aller which maybe wasn't a shock jake shiner that's a big one casey sadler brian o'keefe sam carlson Ryder ryan and easton mcgee another shock there um all elected free agency but i I know I texted you this the other day asking, and I think you were going to look into it. Um, has this happened in the past? Cause I, I've never seen anything like that before. Um, I don't think to this volume before, like I said, 42 was the most of um, any team this year, at least from what I could find, at least what I have can find on baseball America. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, it seemed a little bit uh, maybe over the top of everybody that was there. And I think you, you named all of the uh, kind of, the not the shock names i would say but the names that kind of i think stood out the most um i couldn't really find you know that every team does this at this point right um uh especially when it gets to a point of like guys get done with their six years or they get done with their kind of um you know i think it's a uniform player contract i think it's called for for minor leaguers right is that um, they have a chance to renew that every year and i think it just got to a point for some of these guys where um, you know, you go through this list and a lot of them have been on the, been with the Mariners since 2017. Um, and I think it was just at a point now where, um, you know, the Mariners had to, you know, renew them or try to bring them back on some sort of deal. And I think the Mariners decided to, you know, cut bait on a lot of these guys that have kind of been just sitting around in the minor leagues. Right. So, um, you know, it kind of happens, I think with guys that, um, are a little bit of, I would say past their prime, right. A little bit, I wouldn't say past their prime, but a little past their maybe prime years, right. Of, you know, when they're, you know, 26, 27, that maybe you know, it doesn't look like they're going to get a major league shot anytime soon. Right. So like that, but some of these guys, um, I think the number, I I'm trying to think of like the reasons why it might've been this number uh, so high. And the, the best thing I could come up with was just that, you know, 2017 was one of Jerry's first kind of years as, um, you know, GM. So I just don't know if he held on to a lot of guys, right. From that, from that time of when he was just an initial GM or what have you there. But, um, yeah, I think the one that stuck out to me was probably, probably Easton McGee, just given the, um, just given the, you know, the one good, great start that he had, but, um, knowing that he's, you know, having Tommy John surgery, I guess it also makes sense. Cause I just don't know if you have a spot for him right now, but, um, yeah, I, I'm, I would say I'm not surprised, but somewhat surprised by the names on here. And, um, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we'll see one or two of these guys back in the majors at some point, get another shot somewhere. I mean, could, could this been a case of, you know, these guys aren't protected on the 40 man. Um, do you think the Mariners kind of suggested, Hey, um, will you guys go hit the free agency market, um, until this, uh, rule five draft gets sorted out and then we'll come and pick you up on a contract kind of, a 
almost like a handshake deal, you know, like, hey, you do this for us, then we'll sign you back once uh, the Rule 5 gets off. So they're kind of protecting some guys that way. Yeah, I could see that, right? Especially on a, yeah, especially on a handshake deal, like I said, I think, um, you know, you run a risk that uh, somebody's, you know, going to break that. But I think these are guys that you're probably okay with running a risk on, right? So um, I think it's, uh, I think it's a good point. We may see one or two of these guys back in, uh, back in spring training on, you know, some sort of minor league deal. So I can, I can definitely see, you know, Easton McGee being back once, once the dust settles, uh, maybe Jake Shiner. I, I think, you know, what, you know, especially in Easton McGee's case, we just saw the Mets claim Penn Murphy. You know, I, I, I don't think they want another situation where they have, you know, a potential stud, you know, like Easton McGee, um, available for that rule five draft that just, you know, I, I feel like Easton McGee would be a guy that even though he's going to be out for a while could get picked up, you know, we're, we're seeing it with Ben Murphy. So, um, and again, I, I'm not going to claim that I know <laughs> everything here about how this works. Cause again, I was very shocked about, 42 minor leaguers from the Mariner system, you know, declaring free agency. That was just mind boggling to me. So um, in any case, it'll be interesting to see where these guys end up. You know, if, if they don't come back to the Mariners, um, Jake Shiner had a very good season in AAA with Tacoma, um, you know, led uh, the PCL in some categories. So, I mean, if he's not coming back, he, he could be a good pickup to go to, Maybe a team that's not predicted to win a lot. Maybe get a shot in the major leagues. Who knows? But um, that's kind of the transaction news we have for us. Again, it, it outside of the 42 people declaring free agency, you know, not too much going on. Uh, we do have some off-season notes to attend here. Uh, you know, the big one being Julio Rodriguez winning his second silver slugger of his career. Um, he's been in the league for two years and he's won a silver slugger. Um, Bo, are you shocked that he won silver slugger? You know, especially some of the names out there, or do you think his July and August kind of solidified that? Yeah, he was probably going to win another one, um, come award season. Um, yeah, probably is. Yeah. It's tough to say. I, I mean, for the position wise, right. Um, uh, I think you know, in terms of like overall offensive value, I think it ended up making sense, right? I don't know if I have, you know, the the perfect name off the top of my head that's going to say like, oh, it probably should have eclipsed him there. But um, I think, yeah, I think given the given the August, given the you know July numbers um, and the stats that he was able to break and the things that he's able to do during that time, I think it totally makes sense. I don't have you know. Um, again, no name that's really popping off to me, the name that should have, you know, eclipsed him there, but, um, yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. It just continues, you know, the Mariners have, um, you know, silver slugger top of the top of the order, you know, guy that's going to be in that race for a silver slugger for a long time. And, you know, just continue to get to see there. Yep. I mean, Julio was certainly, um, in the running for gold glove, you know, he ended up, ended up winning and, you know, he was in the running and ended up getting a silver slugger. Um, the only other Mariners player that did that this season was Cal Raleigh. Um, and JP was JP ever considered f- for the gold glove. I know he was a finalist for silver slugger. I thought JP got, got his flowers on that too, for the gold glove. 
Um, are you talking about previously or are you talking about this year? This year. This year. I know JP's got a gold glove previously, but I thought he was named a finalist at, for the Silver Slugger, but he wasn't a finalist for uh, gold glove. He was not a finalist. He was not a finalist for the gold yeah. glove this year. Yeah. 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 So I, I think I'm safe in saying the only two Mariners that did go up for a nomination for the Silver Slugger and the gold glove were uh, Julio and Cal. So. Um, you know, I'm excited Julio got the silver slugger kind of wish Cal would have got it at catcher, but, um, you know, got to probably hit for a little bit better average, you know, leading the, the, uh, league for catchers and home runs isn't just going to cut it for the silver slugger. But, um, you know, I mean, we've known for a while, we've got a bright future with Julio. So, you know, keep giving him his flowers and hopefully, you know, he turns into the, Ken Griffey-esque, you know, the second Ken Griffey of Seattle. So, um, Blue Jays, uh, you know, have been mentioned quite a bit when talking about the Mariners, at least, uh, Mike and Salk or Mike Salk talking about, or talking to Jeff Pazan, I can't even say his name. Um, but Blue Jays keep getting mentioned because it looks like they might be in on Gino, Eugenio Suarez. Um, I don't know. What kind of return do you think we can get from the Blue Jays if they decide to pull the trigger on Gino? I just, I don't know what kind of return we can get. I, I, I mean, he's was a world-class defender at third this season. Um, again, shocked that he didn't get nominated for a gold glove and, uh, you know, he kind of declined with the bat. You know, I, I feel like now would probably be the time to trade him, but what value does he have? Yeah, I was looking a little bit at this. I haven't dug into it probably as much as I would like right now, but like, I mean, you're like Davis Schneider is a interesting name out there. Like, um, but it's, I don't know if I'm, you're probably looking to, I don't fill a gap maybe in the infield with him or, um, yeah, I, I, but it's also going to be really difficult because this is the last year of his contract unless you want to pick up his options. So, um, his value is a little questionable right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe Davis Schneider, even though he had a pretty good 2023 and that's a lot of two years of team control that he's going to have there. Um, you know, outside of that, I could see them maybe trying something in the bull. How about, how, how about Eric Swanson? You want to make, you want to swap for Eric Swanson? Um, this is just a joke. Just, just a joke. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're probably talking, I mean, I don't really see the Mariners wanting uh, like minor league value for this. And I don't know this seems like much more of a, if we get close to the deadline and we're out of it, then certainly we'll try to move Eugenio, I think. Right. But um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a perfect fit there right now for the blue Jays and the Mariners. Yeah. And I, you know, interesting to see that, you know, the, the trade partner could be again, the Toronto blue Jays, who I feel like is a very big rival for us, you know, you know, in the wild card, cause they've got, couple teams stacked at the top of the AL East. We got a couple teams stacked in the AL West. Like we're going to probably see each other at some point in the playoffs. So it's kind of interesting to see that again, we could be linked, um, you know, as a trade partner for the Blue Jays. So, um, you know, a lot of this came down to, you know, people are probably wondering why Gino might be on the table. Uh, again, a lot of the same reason that Teoscar was not uh, given a qualifying offer. Jerry's looking for uh, high contact, low strikeout hitters, um, you know, 
uh, strikeouts were a big thing this season. Um, at one point early in the season, we had like four of the top five um, players striking out in the AL, which is not a good sign. So, um, you know, the the fact that, you know, Gino's name gets mentioned after, you know, Jerry was questioned about why T. Oscar's qualifying offer was not given out. It, it just kind of makes sense. Yeah, I I think it that they probably assess the team and um, like we all have, I feel like, and you know what have we done bad? What have we done good? And um, yeah, I mean it was it was tough to watch there at certain points early on in the season. I think people some people forget, our myself included, right? Just how rough it was to watch some of the just swings and miss that the team was going through and this and the you know swinging strike rates that the team had. So. Not surprising. The team mayors want to do a little bit of a different look there um, in the outfield or, you know, somewhere else in the lineup they're able to upgrade. So they're still going to have some swing and, swing and miss issues, I would say, right, with Julio, Eugenio, um, Kelnick, and you know, Cal Raleigh as well. So still going to be there, but hopefully they're able to add, you know, one or two guys that help, might help fill that gap a little bit. So we'll see. Uh, you know, not a lot of off season notes and transaction stuff outside of this stuff. Um, because I feel like with free agency and you've noted it here, Bo, with free agency opening up, uh, the market's being a little slow because everyone's kind of waiting on big name Shohei Otani to get signed. Um, is it possible he gets signed before the winter meeting? I mean, it kind of seems like that. I don't think anybody really knows right now. Um, it's 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 like a once in a lifetime event that's going on with Shohei Otani right now, so I don't think anybody really has a good idea of when he's going to do that. But um, yeah, I, I feel like he's kind of like I think Jerry said this week. You know, all thirty teams are trying to figure out how they can pin him in their lineup. So I'm sure you know at least a lot of them have made some you know real considerate calls on Shohei to see what this market's like. So. He's probably got a lot of options. All the different teams are trying to figure it out. And I would assume that he's, you know, target number one for, for most everybody that um, this off season. So it's going to take a little while, I think for the market to really get going um, based upon that fact alone. So we're only a couple days out now of the, when the Teoscar Hernandez trade was made. So, um, you know, not out of the realm of possibility, but something gets done here soon, but um you know, I think once Otani signs, it's going to be a little bit of a clearer picture for for teams of you know where they want to go. So um, yeah, so I mean, we're only I think we're a month out from the winter meeting, so it should be a should be an interesting month of Otani news coming out. But did you hear that bit on Otani um, giving baseball gloves to um, a bunch of uh, school kids over in Japan? Something like. I think it was like 60,000 gloves he he donated. Um, I think they were his signature glove cue, one of the Mizuno. Um, I mean, it all had like a tag with like Shoei's, you know, picture on it. So um, did you hear that though? That, I thought that was pretty cool of him. You know, regardless if he comes to the Mariners, I mean, I, I, I think that's really cool that, you know, he kind of wants to expand. You know, Japanese is a very big, I, I, would, I would say baseball country as a whole. You know, you see their team's, a lot in the little league world series doing well. Um, I would, I would almost guess it's probably close to their number one at sport over there, but it's still pretty cool that Otani goes out and, and donates all that. I mean, outside of the money part of it, I'm sure he probably had something to do. Cause he's, I think he's sponsored by Mizuno, but 
um, you know, really cool that he donated all those and, you know, try to expand the, the sport of baseball over there. Uh, yeah, I did not see that, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, all makes sense. Right. And I'm sure he'll have, uh, many more opportunities to do that and probably double that with his next contract. So, um, all good stuff. Good to see good, you know, good to see guys, you know, contributing like that to their communities. So very good to see. Well, like I said, I mean, he does have the, the deal with Mizuno, so it, he probably didn't have to pay for those. And, and I think it was Charles Barkley at one point that said something along the lines of it took me, um, you know, becoming rich before people would start giving me free stuff. So, um, you know, Shohei Otani soon to be probably the highest played player paid player in baseball so i'm sure you know he's gonna have a lot of free stuff coming his way <laughs> so <laughs> yep. um well let's get into what we're uh discussing this week bo and last week we did a lot of free agent talk um you know we, we did talk about some trade stuff in the last couple weeks but um you've really you've really kind of um you know broken down some some targets that are are very feasible here you know um you know whether it be the trade market or the free agency market um you know and and with what jerry has been talking about with um you know looking for high contact low strikeout guys um your your five trade targets here that you trade slash sign targets you have here i think are very doable um I know you didn't want to mention Lars Newtbar for me because someone might someone might freak out. That's someone being me, but uh, <laughs> I, I do like this list, Bo. You want to you want to discuss your list that you put together here? Sure. So I meant you know I just tried to isolate it to um, mostly four names for us to I guess five names for us to talk about. Um, and I think we briefly touched base on you know one or two of these guys before, but. Um, yeah, the list is Jonathan India, Yandy Diaz, Tommy Edmond, Lords Gurriel Jr., and Whit Merrifield. Um, you know, I think if you take, um, I think more or less what seems like Jerry's interested in is a right-handed bat that has a low swinging strike rate, good contact. Um, you know, all five of those guys, I think, fit the bill. Um, I think if I'm... I think if the, probably the one that makes the most sense, I think just given, you know, you don't have to give a whole lot up for him. You just cash. That is, is actually probably Lords Guriel. I think, um, Lords actually fits. Mm-hmm. I think Lords fits better than maybe I initially thought that he did. Um, and you know, he's a guy you can come and slot in maybe in the top of the lineup every once in a while, but a good solid, I think five hole hitter, right. For maybe it's potentially some games, I think is a good place for Lords. So I think Lords really fits that bill. Um, and I think from, you know, from a free agent value side, he's kind of in that Jorge Soler, Teoscar range. And you kind of look at rankings and list things like that. So I think it just, I think Lords makes a lot of sense from, you know, that standpoint. Um, but also, you know, Jonathan India, Tommy Edmond, um, Yandy Diaz, we're all talking about, um, you know, trade targets there. Um, Yandy Diaz, I think would be the bigger, the biggest name of all of them, you know, the leadoff hitter for, for the Rays and, you know, we don't really know what the Rays, what the Rays want to do in the offseason all the time because the Rays are a little bit of a black box. But, um, you know, if the Rays are in a spot where they feel like they're 
you know, need more pitching because their pitching was so banged up last year. Um, you know, we would be a good target for that. And I could see Yandi fitting really well, I think, into the Mariners right now in terms of just we need a first baseman. We need a guy that um, we need an all-star hitter, right? And Yandi Diaz really fits that bill. Um, mm-hmm. Jonathan India, this is more, um, you know, India's, I don't think a perfect fit, but I've kind of put India on there more or less because of the, uh, Cincinnati to Seattle pipeline that is, um, it seems like it's always ongoing. Um, but, um, India does have, you know, pretty good swinging strike rates, but, um, I think it could be a good fit for the Mariners in the middle infield, but, um, I, you know, I don't know if I want to pay too much for Jonathan India on that side. And then also Tommy Edmond, um, another Cardinal. So I don't want to trigger anybody by talking about Cardinals, but Tommy Edmond, you know, fits really fits the bill for, um, <clears throat> you know, what Jerry's looking for can play, um, a really good solid second base can play some third base. Um, I think would be a really good fit. Um, but again, also somebody that I don't know if I want to pay, um, you know, this is probably a steep price for Tommy Edmond, I would think still. Um, and it's difficult. It's difficult to me to get to like a Bryce Miller or Brian Wu. I could probably be talking to more of a Brian Wu, but there have to be other parts, you know, added on, I think, especially on the Cardinal side for me to feel good about that trade. Um, and then finally, Whit Merrifield. Um, you know, we know that Jerry has had interest in Whit Merrifield in the past. Um, you know, he did not have a very successful 2023 season. Um, you know, he's 34 years old. Um but uh yeah very well could be uh could be a good candidate for you know somebody to bring in on a a shorter term deal see if he fits see if he you know um it does seem a little bit more maybe colton Wong-ish in a way but um you know see if he fits anyways see if he can get something going in seattle so of those names there you know even though we've talked about lords before but maybe outside of lords you know who do you like the most from that list uh lords definitely obviously you know we talked about how good of a fit he could be next last week Go back and listen to that episode. Kind of, kind of against Whit Merrifield. Like I said, I think that ship had sailed about three years ago. You know when we we probably should have traded for him from the Royals. Um, you know, and and again, I'm not saying he's of the ilk of Tommy Lastella, but I really don't want to bring in a free agent or a, a you know a trade candidate hitter that may not pay, pan out. You know, I don't feel like we need another uh mid-season dfa candidate i I just really don't so um tommy edmund i'm gonna skip over him because he's a cardinal (laughs) um i don't know a little interest in him maybe switch hitter be nice to get another switch hitter in does have high contact uh remains to be seen what he would do outside of a cardinals uniform obviously so that leaves the top two, Jonathan India and Yandy Diaz. Jonathan India, um, you know, with what Cincinnati's doing right now with their young guys, um, you know, obviously, um, Ella Dele Cruz and um, Christian Encarnasi on Strand and, you know, the guys of that ilk, um, it just feels like Spencer Steer, stuff like that. It just feels like India's kind of getting pushed out Cincinnati a little bit um not saying he's a bad ball player by any means um you know it'd be someone I'd be probably comfortable picking up um but also I I feel like he would come a little bit cheaper than other options because of you know kind of the log gym they have on the reds um do I think he's worth a even a Brian Wu Bryce Miller Eh, no not really not really 
uh, maybe some other prospects for that, but be a very intriguing guy to trade for. And Yandi, I mean, uh, I just hope 2023 was not, you know, an outlier for him, you know, um, you know, he had been getting better and then kind of 2023 came around and he broke out into this all-star hitter, you know, was a big, big leader, um, a big reason the Rays won as many games as they did. Yandi was kind of in the middle of that. Um, Yandi would definitely probably be a, a Bryce Miller, Brian Wu piece, if not a, a Logan Gilbert piece. Again, there would probably be a lot more attached to that. Um, you know, in a perfect world, if I'm fantasy booking this, I'd love to see uh, Yandi and, and Randy Rosarena come over in a trade. Um that never happened. Realistically, it would, it would never happen. Two of the two of the offensive cogs of the Rays coming over the Mariners. No, but I could definitely see Yande being moved. Um, and hopefully he does come to the Mariners because I'd like to see him, um, you know, maybe play a little bit of first, obviously. Maybe play a little bit of DH. Um, again, we I, 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 time will tell on Ty France because Ty France is, uh, again, going to driveline. We saw what they did to JP's uh, – uh, success in 2023. So, um, yeah, basically three for five, Bo. Three for five on that. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. No, uh, all makes sense. All makes sense. And some more than others, right? But, um, yeah. And I'll just pin it with, you know, my hope is, you know, if, if it was Yandi, right, we talk about StatCast a lot. Um, um, you go to Yandy's, Yandy Diaz's page and it's just bright red everywhere. So that's, I think that's would quell some of my issues with some of that. But again, high price tag. Do I want to give up Logan Gilbert for Yandy Diaz? Probably no. But do I, could I give up Bryce Miller plus maybe some other things and try to get to a deal and try to formulate it? That would be great. But um, again, they, he is their leadoff hitter. So don't know if it's realistic. So, um, but let's. And it's, and it's, but before we move on, it's so interesting with the Rays. Because they are so unique in how they run the ball club. As in, you know, they're always trading pieces away to get younger pieces, stuff like that. And also, the play on the field. It, like, you could say that Shane McClanahan is their ace, and, and I would be all right with that. But really, who do you slot in behind Shane McClanahan for the race? So really, are they wanting a starting pitcher back for that? Like, you you know, like, they have a lot of bullpen days and, and that seems to add to their success. So it, it's just very interesting to see what the Rays are going to do. You said they are a black box group, 100% correct in that. Yeah. And I think, you know, the team to watch definitely. Cause I think, you know, if they do have a nut moving like Tyler glass now, which I think they're expected to opens up a big spot in the rotation. Um, Mariners and the, the Rays have been stricken by, pitching injuries this whole entire last year so very well could be an option but um we'll see as the offseason unfolds here but let's just uh, i think to kind of um put a note on two other targets here and one of them i'm just kind of making a mention um they're they're left-handed hitters so i don't know if they're a really good fit for what the mariners are looking for but you know jeff mcneil has been on jerry's list for a little while now um you know did have a did have a rougher um I got to say not as successful 2023 season for Jeff McNeil. And maybe he's coming back down to earth a little bit from, you know, some of the, some of the highs he had before more of a 100 WRC plus kind of average hitter guy, um, left-handed bat. So I don't know if it exactly fits, but he's a guy out there. And then 
I think it's worth just mentioning Juan Soto. Um, you know, uh, would be a lower, you know, swinging strike, high higher contact guy, um, and would obviously um, fill a massive hole in this um, Mariner lineup, um, a hole that we've needed for a long time, which is a big power hitter outside of Julio. So, um, I guess you know which one. I just maybe maybe McNeil is the more realistic, and Soto's the the dream there. But um, what are your thoughts on those two guys? I, yeah, I, I think you nailed it right there. Jeff McNeil is the more favorable the two probably and the more realistic option. He, uh, you know, he'll, he still might have a bit of a price tag, but, um, you know, it's not as big as Juan Soto's. Juan Soto's, we're going to have to give up an arm and a leg to get Juan Soto. And then the question is, do we sign him to the contract he wants? Because what, what was the contract he got from the – the offer he got from the Nats was like 12 years, $448 million or some, some weird stuff. And he turned that down. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm venturing to guess that one soda is going to want 500 mil to come play at whatever place he gets traded to. So he'd be steep. He'd be very steep. Um, of, of, of Juan Soto or Tani, which one would you take Bo? In a fantasy booking situation, which one would you rather take? Knowing that both are going to have to have very big contracts on this team. Oh, it's Otani. It's not close. Otani's, you're going to, whatever you can think of Otani and Soto, they actually very well may be close to a wash on the offensive side of things. And then whatever value you get out of Otani on the pitching side is a plus there. So, um, 100% Otani. Yeah. 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 You might as well shell out those few extra dollars for the pitching side of things for him to, to get an Otani situation here. And then you wouldn't have to give up, you know, prospects. <laughs> you know, we know what the Padres traded to the Nats to get Juan Soto. I would expect that to be very similar, if not higher, this time around to when the Padres trade him off. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of our wrap-up on the postseason talk. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of the free agents. A lot of the trade targets, I mean, obviously, if you guys want us to cover something else, go hit up our inboxes on social media. Go send us messages. I, ch- I try to check them uh, every couple days. You know, if you got a question about it or, or got a discussion point you want us to talk about, um, hit us up there. We'll try to talk about it, you know, as we've still got quite a quite a bit of um, offseason left. So um, one thing we did mention last week is, uh, you know, the Arizona Fall League. Um I think came to an end. Am I right on saying that, Bo? Yes, it did. Yep. 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 So we had quite a few prospects in there and uh, we had quite a few guys that um, did well. So Bo, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the floor to you here. Why don't you tell me about the prospects we had in the Arizona fall league playing for Peoria. Sure. So I think we're going to, you know, talk about the five of them. Um, You know, we had, Ryan Bliss, Tyler Locklear, Jared Bayless, Troy Taylor, and Harry Ford. Um, I think kind of just Harry Ford's um, Harry Ford's time in Peoria was relatively short. He only played for seven games. Um, he did get three homers during that time. Um, did bat only 174, but drew a number of walks and was able to get his on base up to 412 during his time there. Um, I think this was to be expected for the most part. Um, you know, just uh, don't want to put a lot of extra innings and games on you know legs that have been catching the whole entire season so um all expected there um 
but Troy Taylor and Gerald Bayless, you know, we didn't talk about, I think either of these guys during the, uh, during the regular season, um, both had very positive showings, um, in the, uh, in the Arizona fall league. Um, you know, they only pitched seven innings between Jared only pitched seven innings and Troy only pitched 10 innings, but, um, both of them really shined. Um, Jared Bayless struck out, um, 14, um, 14 K 14 per nine during his time there in the seven and two thirds innings pitch. And then Troy Taylor struck out about 10 and a half per nine during his time there. Um, good for 117 ERA for Jared and Troy Taylor go with a 174 ERA. And I think what's notable about that is like, uh, yeah, the Arizona fall league isn't for, you know, it's not like we're facing, you know, got kids that are coming out of the Dominican for their first year or, um, you know, kids that are coming out of high school for their first year, the Arizona fall league has a lot of like really developed hitters. Right. So, um, for, I think both those guys, Jared Bayless and Troy Taylor that think do as well as they did, I think it's a positive sign and both relief pitchers and both very well could move fast. I think through the organization next year. So very positive there. Um, but then I'll kind of wrap it up with Ryan bliss and Tyler Locklear. Um, Brian bliss had a decent showing during his time in the Arizona fall league. Um, 239 average, 368 on base with a 296 slug. Um, did draw 14 walks, 21 Ks. Um, he was named the defensive player of the year in the Arizona Fall League, which I feel like is a um, pretty big step forward for him because I think it was Perry Hill that was saying that you know he needs to kind of put a lot of work in it. I think at second base, so um, the fact that he was able to grab that I think means a lot, and hopefully means that he's you know still making big strides there. Um, but I think his big moment came with that he hit a grand slam and um, one of the most recent games to put Peoria into the championship game, which they ended up losing, but um, big spot in the game for him. Um, and, you know, I think this kind of is um, all a very positive experience for him and is probably trending in some way to kind of give him a, a shot at the second day base job, barring some sort of trade. So um I think it would be a stretch to say like he's going to, you know, make the opening day roster right now, but certainly I think he'll get some sort of shot in Arizona. And, um, you know, if we don't make a trade for somebody against Josh Rojas and see if he's able to make it there. So all good for Ryan bliss. Um, and then finally Tyler Locklear, um, put up pretty solid numbers during the AFL 284, 415, 473 slug drew hit three homers, drew 15 walks, 26 K's. Um, he's trending towards, you know, go, you know, being in Arkansas next year and potentially getting an outside shot. Um, especially if, you know, we don't really fill the hole at first base. And if Ty France takes another step backwards, he could certainly be some sort of option next year. I don't think we want him to be our you know, primary option. Certainly don't think we want that to you know be there, but, um, did look good for the most part. Um, I know I was reading Keith law recently and Keith law thinks that he still has a, quite a bit of way to go. I think uh, this defense at first base, um, Coupled with, I think he struggled against some off-speed stuff. So I think from a scout's perspective there on the Keith Law side of things, you know, probably would like to see a little bit more development from Tyler Locklear before he makes the next step. But, um, you know, I think on that note, Locklear, Ryan Bliss, Troy Taylor were all the all-stars that the, that the Mariners had in the uh, Arizona Fall League game, uh, all-star game that is. And, um, yeah, I think they all did fairly well this year. Um, you know, trending towards, you know, I think contributing, I think some point, um, you know, maybe Troy Taylor, maybe a little earlier, earlier than the other two, but 
could be very well be seeing both of them in uh, all three of them in a mirror uniform next year sometime. So I think, you know, the Arizona fall league is a good, uh, good step forward for a lot of guys. It was where Brian Wu, I think kind of made a big step forward last year. And we saw that he was able to kind of make a jump to um, the majors in 2023. So, um, you know, all good experience for these guys and, you know, could be seeing them soon. Yeah. Big, big step forward for all those guys. Congrats to Troy Taylor, Tyler Lockler and Ryan Bliss all being named all-stars. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, just, I think it shows us that our future stars, I'm going to call them stars, hopefully, um, are a little closer than we imagine. Um, you know, I, I didn't know anything about Troy Taylor or Jared Bayless going into this, but, um, you know, the way they pitched, they, they look like they could come up and contribute if need be. So, um, and you were completely right with the Brian Wutak, you know, he gained a lot of steam after the Arizona Fall League, um, you know, so it's certainly not out of the question that any one of these guys could at some point get called up next season. You know, it's not, not out of the realm of possibility. And it's kind of it's kind of funny because all this ended and um, a lot of top, top prospect uh, lists started coming out. And the Mariners kind of got reevaluated a little bit, you know, as, as they head fully into the offseason. Um, uh, you know, they, uh, I, I don't, I think they released the top 30, but Bo, you put down the top 15 here and I, I really like our top 15 here. Um, number one, obviously is going to be Harry Ford. Um, number two, Colt Young, number three, excuse me, number two, Cole Young, number three, Colt Emerson. Um, number four, Waz Montez, number five, Tyler Locklear, six, Jonathan Classe, seven, uh, Gabriel Gonzalez, number eight. Uh, I can't say his name, but help me out here. Felon Celestine. Felonins, Felonin Celestine. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Number nine, Johnny Fermello. Number 10, Ty Pete. 11 ends up being Emerson Hancock. 12, Ryan Bliss. 13, Michael Arroyo. Number 14, Walter Ford. Number 15, Jimmy Joyce. Um, you know, obviously Celestine, uh, got moved down a little bit. Um, you know, it just hasn't debuted. So I, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but, uh, really Bo, no shocks here to what we consider the top prospects, right? Um, I don't think any shocks. Uh, I would say that, um, I do think that the prospects took a big step forward this season. And I, you know, I think after we kind of sold the farm for Luis Castillo and made a couple other trades, um, it needed to do that. And I think that, uh, you know, big steps with like, um, I would say Tyler Locklear and especially Lazaro Montes. Right. Um, and we know about class A is making his big step and, uh, all very positive things. And so like, it needed to happen, I think for the Mariners, um, just kind of restock and, you know, I think in their presser, this like in their presser, the 50, the infamous 44%, um, presser, I think, uh, Hollander was talking about, you know, they have the prospect capital to kind of go get guys if they want to. And I think they certainly have that now. Right. Um, I would, I would argue that, I mean, it's one of the challenges that it's, you know, those top 10 guys are all um, offensive um, players, right. They're all hitters. So, um, you know, it might, it's, we're playing this kind of like, we have some really good offensive prospects coming, but we have a really good dominant pitching staff now. And you really wish you could marry those two things up at the same time and, 
maybe you will in like 2026 or 2027 but um so that's uh, so that's a little tough but um yeah i think it's all very positive for the mariners i think their farm system is going to take a jump up in the rankings um you know when the organizational rankings come out from baseball america or whomever in the next couple months but um yeah i think there's a lot of guys a lot of guys to be impressed here a lot of guys you should be you know on the lookout for i think coming soon you know um probably harry ford a little bit sooner rather than later there's a couple other guys maybe one two on here but some of these guys are still going to be a ways out so um also need to be patient with uh, a number of them too yep. i mean just looking at this list this could be a top 10 farm system list it certainly can you know all mlb so um i i i, I what are the odds bo that all these guys pan out like maybe five of the 15 of them, but I sure want all of them to, to pan out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if, it, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's yeah five for 15. I don't know if it's 33% of the list, but um, I, I, I think there's some logic in what the Mariners did in the draft, right? Where they, they kind of picked a lot of, they picked three, um, you know, high ceiling guys back to back to back and, and Emerson Farmello and type Pete, like, there's a decent chance that one of those guys work out. You don't like my rule of three, but um, you know, I think if you're, if you're picking, you know, three guys that are all in the same area, I think there's a chance that at least, you know, one of those guys is going to end up panning out. Um, and, you know, I think certainly between one of those guys, I think there's a decent chance for it. Um, but, you know, I think with, especially with the strides that, you know, Laz has made this year and Cole Young continued to kind of keep his top prospect status. Um, there's just a lot to like there, but uh yeah, I think the challenge is just going to be that um, we're still, you know, probably two, I think at least three years before some of these guys really contributing at the major league level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun to watch him. Fun to watch him. I think next year, Bill, we're going to have to to catch a few more games on MLB.tv, you know, since they have the minor league broadcast now. Catch a couple more Arkansas games and stuff like that just to – to catch some of these guys, um, you know, all of them are very intriguing guys. You know, Laz Montez, I really hope he works out as, you know, being compared to Jordan Alvarez. That'd be fun. Um, Harry Ford obviously could be catcher of the future. Cole, Colt Young um, definitely has an upside of being a potential uh, middle infielder of the future for the Mariners. So, um, Yeah. Two or three years out, but we'll we'll uh, we'll continue to cover these guys as we uh, continue to do the podcast when they do some pretty cool stuff. So, all right, Bo, that is the end of our episode. We uh, we really got it in today. That was a, a pretty quick episode. You got anything else for the viewers before we get out of here? Um. Well, I think it's going to. I think I'll say uh, a brief goodbye for a couple weeks here. I'm going to be uh, heading out on my own adventure here, so um, just want to. Thank you, Rick, and thanks everybody for sticking with us as we take a little bit of time off here. And um, yep, yep. yep. Um, you know, with with Bo bringing up, we are gonna um, be ATK away from uh, keyboard. Um, you know, away from the office for a couple weeks. Um, I think Bo and I have said it mentioned before, but Bo is welcoming welcoming kid number two. So, Bo, you know, let's 
Hope everything goes all right. You still haven't mentioned if it's a boy or a girl to me. So once we turn this off, hopefully you tell me if it's a boy or a girl so I don't have to keep guessing. But uh, congratulations, Bo. And um, from all of us at, you know, me and all of us fans at Forkstown, you know, you are, you are getting a well-deserved break. So, you know, give Kate our best, give Xander our best, and let's get through it. Let's get back on the show when we, uh, you know, a couple weeks from now. So Sounds good. Um, I don't think we have a definitive time that we're coming back. We'll try to tease it on social media when we are going to be back um, around. Um, so keep a watch on our social media. Um, again, our inboxes are open there. Um, if you want Bo, I'm usually the one checking it, but if you want Bo to answer something, definitely mention that, you know, this is a Bo question. I can send it over and he can, he can definitely shoot you a message from any one of our accounts. He's got the same access to all of our accounts that I do. So, um, you know, you know, we're going to take a little break, but we will be back soon and hopefully, by then, Shohei Otani is a Seattle Mariner, so we have a lot to talk about when we come back. So, <laughs> For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. For Bochism, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you soon. Brother. Brother.